This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Thanks to Native for supporting Made for This. Native makes safe, simple, effective products that people use every day with trusted ingredients that are good for your body and trusted performance. Get 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeo.com slash made for this or using promo code made for this at checkout. And now here's Jenny. Well, if you are just joining us, you're going to want to go back and listen to the other episodes in the season because it's going to set you up for what you're going to hear in the next few weeks. I really believe one of the greatest deep desires in our generation is for there to be better emotional wellness, mental health. And it's probably one of the most talked about things in my personal friendships and family members is probably one of the most talked about things in our generation. It's just an epidemic as far as people's mental health and emotional health. That's one reason, a big reason we attacked this season the way we have is we see that and we know that there's a lot of need going on. In fact, listening to the stories y'all have written in just since the season started is overwhelming, truly. Every single one of you likely is going through something unthinkable right now, whether that is with a family member or friend or in your own personal life. We all feel the brokenness in a new way, in a way that we're really in touch with since COVID. What we wanted to do this season is to attack this idea of identity. Who are we? We want to imagine what it looks like to have your feet planted very firmly, to not feel like you're being tossed to and fro, but but you're able to stand on a rock that is stable and real and not just quote it like some appropriate Christian that, that does and says the right thing, to experience it, for that rock to hold no matter what comes. And I believe that for many of you, that's why you're here. You're here listening right now because you're looking. It feels a little shaky. It feels a little unstable. And you're going, okay, Jenny, remind me of the rock. Remind me where to put my feet. And if I get to be the great reminder, if that's like my only role on earth is to remind you of what scripture says, to remind you what is true, remind you that God is with you and for you, that God loves you more than you can imagine, that that you were designed and created and delighted over and still are to this day because of the love and the mercy and the grace of God and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Yay. I have a fun job. But also, I believe there's more to faith and discipleship than just remembering. And I believe that there's real steps that we can take and actions we can take toward that rock, (laughs) toward more stability and growth and security in our lives, maturity. And I believe that that road involves many things, one of which is knowing our self and our state and knowing where we are so that we can know where we want to go. We can't know where to go if we don't know where we are. We have to begin with where we are. When I pull up my GPS, it says basically in the little little line, it says, from your location. It's going to guess that I'm wanting to work with where I am and that it needs to know where I am so that it can tell me how to get to Chick-fil-A or whatever I put in the next bar, which is going to ask me, where are you going? And so it's one thing to talk about where we're going, heaven, mission, relationships, hopefully in your future and in your life now. It's one thing to talk about the the future works that you're going to accomplish for the Lord. It's another thing to imagine how are we going to get there from where we are today. And so to some degree, you see throughout scripture, a looking back 
to go forward, certainly, which I believe is helpful. It's what scripture largely is, is a story that we look back to, to remember the faithfulness of God. But then you see many moments, a sober moment, for instance, with David, where he expresses the exact feelings in his heart at that moment, where he is then. And what I'm praying is happening in your personal life and in your communal life is you are able to say, you know what? I'm not doing great. I've noticed that my stomach hurts almost every morning when I wake up. And I don't know if that's physical or I don't know if that's emotional, but something's going on. And to say that out loud is the beginning of getting help. It's the beginning of letting people in and not being alone in your struggle. And yes, I want us to notice everything going on with us right now. It is not selfish or self-centered to know where you are starting. I want to actually take a minute and talk about selfishness because one of my favorite books is by Tim Keller. And I've probably mentioned it here before because it's so impacted my thinking, but it's The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's a super short book, and I highly encourage you read it because it's just such a powerful countercultural message right now. And what Tim Keller expresses in that book is, is not exactly selflessness. We're going to talk with Dr. Allison Cook later this week, and she talks about in her book the idea that selfless is actually not helpful. Selfless people that don't think anything about themselves because they think it's wrong to think about themselves or notice what's wrong or or talk about what's wrong because they don't want to be selfish. They're actually really unhealthy people because they aren't self-aware. They don't know what to bring to help solve problems because they don't know themselves. They have not spent the right amount of time to have awareness of how they're doing, what they possess from God as gifts to give away. They don't know, if you're always selfless, you may not know why you're being passive aggressive to your children. Uh, You may not be able to articulate why something's disappointing, what you actually want from a relationship or from a situation. You may not know yourself. I think when Harry Met Sally, that movie, super old movie, a lot of you haven't seen it, but years ago, the two characters are sitting down talking about how Meg Ryan likes to eat her eggs and she doesn't know because she doesn't know herself and she can't make even a decision of how to order breakfast. So there's a lot of you that have lived with this ideal of selfless and I'm just going to kind of break it apart right now and say that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about being self-forgetful. It can be confusing when you think about selfless versus selfish And I like what Allison Cook is going to share with you in the coming weeks. She's actually on more than one week because her content was so fantastic. We just kept recording. It is so good. You're going to love, love, love what you're going to hear. But one of the things she talks about in her book is she actually calls it selfhood, that that you're aware of yourself. You're expressing what you need and what you want and where you are. And you're also considering other people, right? Selfish people are just considering themselves. Selfless people are just never, ever thinking about themselves to a fault. Selfhood, what she describes as that, is being aware of your own wants and needs and also aware of the other person's wants and needs, okay? Well, the book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, that Tim Keller wrote, I want to read you a quote out of this. I believe he holds that tension really well. He says, low self-esteem and pride are horrible nuisances to our own future and to everyone around us. When we try to be selfless and never think about ourselves, We will live with insecurity because most often the way that we deal with our insecurity is to notice our insecurity, right? To to notice, you know what? Hmm, I wonder why that made me feel comparison with her. I wonder why I'm feeling that way. And then what God wants us to do, what the biblical view is, is then we confess. We say the truth about our thoughts and our feelings to God. But we have to be aware. We have to notice those thoughts and feelings to be able to take them to God. So the very thing which is most 
commanded throughout the New Testament, which is confess, repent, turn. You have to know what to confess. You got to know yourself. You've got to be self-aware enough to even be able to say to God, I'm jealous. I'm angry. I'm fearful. I'm hopeless. You have to know that you're feeling those things. And then what do you think? Let's just play this out. What do you think when God hears, I'm afraid? What do you think as a, as a parent, maybe, if you are one, or if you've ever been an aunt or an uncle or babysat or whatever context you have with, with kids you love, when you hear someone you care about say, a younger kid say, I'm afraid, what's your next question? Every time. What are you afraid of? Why are you afraid? That's, wh that's what the next question is. We know that. I mean, that's just instinctive. We're going to ask, why are you afraid? Don't you think our God is asking the same thing to us? Don't you think he's looking at you going, hey, baby, why are you afraid? I mean, he already knows the answer. Why would he ask? Why would he ask Adam and Eve in the garden? Where are you? What did you do? Why would he ask them? Because he wants them to confess. He, does, he already knows. He wants them to name where they are and that it's far from him. And then he wants to move into it, and he does. Even with Adam and Eve, he moves into it. He slays an animal. He covers them as a picture of what will come with Jesus later. And he meets their need, but he first asks them to name their need. So I'm going to ask you the question, what do you feel right now? And why do you feel it? It's the beginning of understanding yourself. And it's not selfish. It's self-aware. And I believe it is the beginning of needing God, right? It wasn't the people that knew everything that Jesus was most drawn to. In fact, he was often condemning the people that knew everything. See, we live in a culture where we think we should know the answers. We should be okay. We should know how to handle this. But that wasn't how Jesus interacted with people at all. In fact, the people that knew everything was the people that he said, you need to become like little children that don't know anything. <laughs> and then the people that had questions and struggles and fears. He said, blessed are the brokenhearted because they're going to know they need me, right? I mean, that's how this always goes. I mean, I wish it wasn't this way, but it is. How do we know we need God if everything's always okay? How do we know we need God if we act like everything's okay, right? Because everything's never okay, <laughs> but we act like it is. And so this tension of knowing ourselves, knowing why we're insecure, knowing why we're afraid, knowing why we're angry. Even, even if that takes a lot of work, like counseling or, or a friend listening over long dinners and, and helping you figure it out and untangle it, it's a starting place. And we're looking for the starting place. So what I love about Native is that they keep their products simple and they have ingredients you can understand on their deodorant, like coconut oil and shea butter and baking soda. Native deodorant is formulated to keep you feeling fresh and smelling fresh all day long with 72-hour odor protection. Native has a ton of variety of scents with new, really fun limited edition scents that are being released all the time, and so there's options for everyone. The one I am most excited about is their toasted marshmallow and vanilla, and yes, it smells amazing. Native deodorant is clean, their ingredients are simple. What's important to me with deodorant is that, can I work out with this and it still works? And the answer is yes. Smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to nativedeo.com slash made for this or with promo code made for this at checkout. 
That's 20% off your first order by going to nativedeo.com slash made for this or promo code made for this at checkout. And now back to Jenny. The next quote I want to read to you out of this book says this, spiritual pride is the illusion we are competent to run our own lives, achieve our own sense of self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. This is what I see happening everywhere. In fact, our highest value just about is assuredness and well-being and I'm doing great, right? These are the values we are completely achieving and aspiring to, and yet nobody's getting there, which isn't that a grace? Isn't it a grace that if we're sitting there running from God in independence, wouldn't you hope that that would fall short so that you would need God? If the greatest desire of your heart and ultimate need of your life is connection with God, then wouldn't you hope for your kids that at every pursuit they have running from God would fall short, right? You want that because you actually want them to need God. That should be our posture as parents and that should be our posture with ourselves. But I think all my life, how I was raised in the church, I I really saw only two options. I saw selflessness where you never think about yourself ever. And then I saw selfishness where you always think about yourself. And, And so this third way is new and healthy for me in in the way that I approach relationships and the way that I approach my relationship with God even is noticing and being curious about myself, but not letting those feelings, thoughts control me, not letting those things be the boss, yet also making space for them to understand them so that I can move forward. And spiritual pride, what the problem with spiritual pride is that it is comfortable, (laughs) feels great to know what to do. It feels great to have the answer. It feels great to be better than other people. It just does. Your flesh wants to be prideful. It wants to be. It's nice. It's fun. And on earth for the Pharisees, I know they looked down on all the disciples who were not educated, who were following Jesus into the wilderness, who they eventually thought were following a heretic, right? All those Pharisees were like, we know better. We know better. And you see, if you've ever seen The Chosen, which I have talked about long enough here for you to go watch it, please watch it. It's so powerful. You see in the beginning of the early episodes, you see Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee and so well-educated. You see him try to follow Jesus. You see him want to follow Jesus, but he can't quite go through with it in the episode because he knows too much, right? And spiritual pride can be that for us. The next quote I want to read out of Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness is this. A truly gospel humble person is not a self-hating person or self-loving person, but a gospel humble person. There's this sense of reality that they know who they are and it's realistic. It's not something that is confusing. It's just a fact. It's like, oh yeah, I'm good at this and I'm bad at this. I'm I'm a tool in God's hands. Like I I know I'm effective for the kingdom because he said I was. You trust what he says. You don't let your feelings, your emotions drive you. You don't give them all the energy and self be self-obsessed and self-absorbed into everything you think and feel. And you also aren't so self-denying that you have no idea what you think and feel. You, you know what you think and feel and you take those things to God and you trust what he says about who you are and about what he's called you to. And let me be really clear. He has called you to the most epic story on planet earth. Every other story, including Marvel, that y'all know I love, every other story on earth is simply a reflection of that great story that we are a part of and a crucial part of. You are an ambassador for Christ if you know him and are walking with him. If you don't, he wants you to be. 
If you're here and you are not walking yet with Jesus, this is the thing your heart is craving. This is why you feel so hopeless because he knit eternity into your heart. Ecclesiastes tells us. You long for it. You long for heaven. You long for a story to be a part of that is bigger than the one that you're living in now. And that is our reality. So a gospel humble person just knows what's real and knows what's true, that they are living out of a broken story and and maybe a broken body and a broken life, but with the power of the Holy Spirit that's made them new and, and a new creation and able to love and have peace and joy and things that never would be possible without God that just come out of you because you know him, that that's what's true of you if you're a Christian. I would reckon that if you aren't experiencing that, it really goes back to an identity problem. Do you believe what God says about you? Do you trust what is true of you and of him? Matthew 16, 24 through 26 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Guys, this is the call. (laughs) It's not that you never have feelings about it. It's not that you never notice what you're laying down and what it feels like. It's that you lay it down. It's that at the end of the day, you say, not my will, but yours. Y'all, Jesus agonized in the garden. He told his father what he was feeling. He told his father, I don't want to do this. He, he was real. He was honest and didn't sin in that. He was self-aware to know this is agonizing and difficult and, and help there be another way. And yet, in the midst of, of what was real and confessed and true of Jesus in that moment, he said, but not my will, your will. And guys, this is what it looks like to walk with God. It is to say, you know what, God, here's where I am. Here's where I am. I'm not going to pretend like I don't have feelings. I'm not going to act like, oh, I'm great. Everything's fine because I'm a Christian. I'm going to feel sad and I'm going to feel angry and I'm going to feel worried and I'm going to feel all those things, but I am not going to stay there. I'm going to hand that to God and I'm going to say, I trust you because I want your will and not my own. These are the stories we're meant to live. This is how the peace that God talks about in the Bible that surpasses understanding takes hold in our lives. It's because we aren't trying to figure it out and we're not trying to know the answers and we're not trying to put on a good performance for everybody else to say, you know what, that's a great Christian. We're being honest. And even though it's hard, we're trusting God. Hey guys, Chloe here. If you haven't already, can you make sure and go to follow the show on Apple iTunes or subscribe anywhere you listen. And then also rate and review the show because that's how people find the show. You would not believe the messages that we get from people all over the world who are listening every single week alongside you. We love you guys. There is so much coming this fall. I cannot wait to tell you about. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Podcast.